Welcome to the Sleepless in St. Canard when Nostalgia Places Rum Cycles. I'm Kitty. And I'm Ange. And we haven't slept. In 30 years. This is a podcast about the 90s Disney cartoon Darkwing Duck, where the villains never stay down, and some of them even wear drumstick-themed boxer shorts, where Tim Curry is having a grand old time, and where sometimes the emotional stakes feel very real. All this and more in today's episode, all about the Steerminator. Emotional stakes, almost like there's a bull involved. <laughs> That pun was not intended, but very much appreciated. So this was one of our fan requests. So we are covering it. And I feel I definitely have seen this episode recently. I did remember most of it, but I was I was very happy to watch it again. It's one of the ones that isn't against continuity, which is mm-hmm. kind of rare. Although I have to say I rewatched it tonight. And there were some like weird moments in the dialogue and interactions that I thought was kind of odd. So I'm curious if you picked up on that. We'll get to it. But before that, let's talk comics. Let's do it. So in terms of Dynamite uh, Darkwing Duck comic updates, as far as I know, the release date still is not very consistent. I'm still seeing a mixture of January 25th and on the website I think it was January 25th so that's what I'm assuming it will be but you know it's a fun mystery it is but they've already released the cover of couple of the covers and the description for issue three which I think is very funny because we haven't even gotten issue one yet and we're we're already heading into the story you, I showed you the covers for issue three, right? Um, is that the one with Morgana? Yeah, so there was one where Darkwing is swinging on a ring and he, people are throwing roses at him. And then one with Morgana, Drake, and Goslin with what probably hints at Bushroot as being the villain of issue three. I love that we only have to wait two issues until we get some Morgana. If she's not in the first two, she might be. But at least she's on the cover of three. I like the covers. For issue three. I haven't seen all of them. Those are the only two that I've seen so far, but I thought they looked pretty nice. Did you have any opinions? Oh, um, I vaguely looked at them. The Morgana one, I was like, oh, they look good. And then the Darkwing, my brain shuts down if it looks like Darkwing is getting too much adoration. So (laughs) (laughs) I I vaguely remember that one. I'm like... Unless those are filled with bombs, or he's just dodging tuxedo mask trying to kill him. I don't want any part of that. I was wondering if maybe it was a... Well, if if it is Bushroot, maybe it was a hint to that. Like, you know, plants, uh, roses. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Makes sense. So, maybe he's proposing to Morgana, which is why he's in the, the giant ring. Oh. Connecting the dots, Ange. That would be a very big move, I must say. It would be. I feel like it would be an accidental proposal. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> but I am. I am really looking forward to seeing Morgana, and I found the premise to be very interesting. Spoiler alert! I guess I don't know if it counts as a spoiler if it's already been released as the description. But the description was essentially that Drake is retiring from crime fighting, and. He's going back to the suburban life, and he's somehow roped Morgana into joining him. 
All I have to say is that there, if there are not like at least 15 pages of them when the model foots being pure suburbanites together, what's the point? I really do hope we get to see the model foots and just Morgana trying to fit in. We technically only got a little taste of that in the series and it was glorious. It was so good. It was very good. So <laughs> I don't know how the writer is going to approach Morgana because as we've discussed many times on the podcast, Morgana had an inconsistent personality and you could really take her in a few directions, honestly. And I wouldn't say any of them are wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm looking forward to it personally, but I liked, I, I liked those covers and uh, I did order them. I put in a pre-order for those ones. I assume there might be more for that issue, but actually there are because it listed at least seven covers. Uh, mm. Don't quote me on that when I saw them pop up on my previews thing. So, but the other ones didn't have uh, pictures yet. So mm. there's more to come. And issue number one, they're just, it feels like every other day they're posting a new cover. So I, I think at one point I'm going to take the time and I'm going to tally it up and count how many covers there are because I'm just curious. You're going to like pass out halfway through. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot, but you made a really good point that because there's so many covers, it means there's got to be at least one cover for everybody because everybody yeah. has different <laughs> tastes. You know, some people probably like that semi-realistic, gritty type Darkwing. Some people like the more, you know, cartoony, classic Darkwing. Some people just kind of like a, an in-between, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, people like uh, all kinds of art, and that's what makes it wonderful. Yeah. The odds are in your favorite Darkwing fans. There has to be at least one cover that you like out there for that first issue. <laughs> the only problem is the question of whether or not it's one of those high ratio ones that's really hard to get a hold of or not. Let's see, that's when you have to enter into duels to get <laughs> the ones you want. So I have them ordered, but I was contacted by the comic book store and they asked me, which covers they should prioritize because they're like just so you know some of these we have we would have to order in 500 covers mm. just to get one and i said well i'm not really looking to collect uh just get the ones you can that are the easiest to get and that's fine if you can't get the others and he said okay sure so it's a it's gonna be a surprise when i go to pick them up which covers i got i'm very excited to know which ones you get Yes, and we will talk about that when the day finally arrives. Some point, some point. Not you can you can re recreate your unboxing of them for me because you'll have read it by then. <laughs> you could just be like, and then it was, oh my gosh, it's the one with all the rubber ducks. Amazing. <laughs> oh. uh, so yeah, so comic updates, everybody. We're still still waiting. Still waiting for our scraps. Yes, and I guess Happy New Year, technically, by the time this episode drops. It will be... Happy New Year! 2023, so... Year of Darkwing. It might be the Year of Darkwing if we get reboot news, potentially. Mm. But until then, we just have old Darkwing. And he's a good old Darkwing. He is a good old Darkwing. It's a good song. <laughs> 
It's his national anthem. I, I don't think he'd appreciate being called old, but... No. He's very sassy in this episode, too. Is there anything else you want to talk about comic book-wise before we hop into this? Uh, no. I think we're good. Okay. So, if you would like to watch this episode, this... I was surprised that it took us this long, but this is the first episode that we're talking about that on Disney Plus is season two mm-hmm. of Darkwing Duck. So it's season two, episode one. Really? Mm-hmm. How many episodes yeah. are there in season two? Not many. Because I want to say this was technically supposed to be one of closer to the end of the run. Yeah, the Disney Plus order is terrible. Like... The first episodes of the first season aren't um, Darkly Dawn's a Duck. It's Beauty and the Beat and all that kind of stuff. Let's see. Darkly Duck. Season 2 has 13 episodes. Okay. That's probably uh, the fact that they had some on ABC and some on one of the other channels. I don't remember. Mm. So, yeah. Steerminator continuity wise feels like it was almost like the final episode of the entire series but i know technically it was either extinct possibility or malice's restaurant that i think were last in production and last. those are the the two last episodes in season two on disney plus yes so i think it might have been malice's restaurant that was the ultimate final episode which is a pretty good send-off in my opinion we'll talk about that one eventually that's that's the one we were just talking about with uh morgana and suburban life and her interactions with the muddlefoots which are magical Mm -hmm. pun intended yeah so season two episode one and it's um rebuilt cyborg bulba seeks revenge on darkwing duck well there's no lies there there's not a single lie and we really kind of hit the ground running in this episode as we watch a bunch of Eggman working on a beefy mechanical arm. Eggman, who's doing all the welding, also has a welding eye shield on top of his Eggman <laughs> helmet. So he's like super protected. And I, I respect that. Osho would be very happy. But of course, it can't protect him from the arm that comes alive and just manhandles the nearest set of them before blowing them up. There's a lot of... A lot of violence in this episode. A lot of things blowing up and being menaced. Um, Steelbeak is also in this episode, and he's very impressed with uh, the chops of that beautiful arm. Quote-unquote schnozola from Foul Scientists, which I guess we kind of assumed already, but I guess it's nice to know for sure that there isn't just like a random metal rhinoplasty merchant in St. Canard <laughs> somewhere. And he's like, how are they at tummy tuck? So that he starts giggling to himself. Steelbeak, <laughs> Steelbeak is very, I feel eternally amused with himself. He is. He, he's, he's definitely one man show in this episode. Jim Cummings as one of the high command people doing a Marlon Brando impression dodges that very important tummy tuck question. Instead, talks about how this will make the quote unquote the subject Fowl's most formidable agent in Steelbeak. He's like, Oh, I guess I always thought you guys liked me best. <laughs> and we get a very ominous look at the real subject that they're talking about. 
as a massive shadowed form floats in a blood red vat of something or other, something sciencey. Mm-hmm. Steelbeak says that this guy was a real mess when they pulled him out of the wreckage and that that explosion didn't do much for his complexion either. And then he says, yuck, Ola. There's a lot of Olas in this so far. <laughs> The Ola racial is a lot higher than I expected it to be. But overall, I think Steelbeak is in this episode for five minutes, so he had to get his Olas in. Mm -hmm. Um, He chuckles to himself again, as if he doesn't have a giant metal mouth. No, let's make fun of other people's faces. I assume Bulba is, what he meant by that is Bulba is literally missing chunks of his skin and face. Yeah, yeah, which... um, I, I do. We do get a very far away shot of him without the helmet on, and his face is messed up. Like you can't really see because it it's so far away. But basically, from like his snout all the way to the top of his head is looks like red and scarred, like he was burned. So it's a little spooky. But uh, yeah, so Steelbeak is talking about how he's messed up, and he says, "I can certainly understand why you'd want him to wear a mask." As we pan over to a very overpowered-looking helmet, and then we get a very Phantom of the Opera type organ solo to, to ramp up the the drama. And I don't I don't remember if I was surprised by this because I definitely don't remember much about the show from when I was a kid. Like I remember the main beats and like the characters that I liked, um, but I don't really remember much about Taurus Bulba as a kid and when i did watch the show i feel like i knew that he came back maybe not i don't know do you remember how you like were you surprised that he came back like or were you i had i had complete amnesia of darkwing duck in that i only remembered chunks of it very few chunks as probably because i was i was fairly young when i watched it on tv and I don't even remember the Darkly Dawns the Duck episode. I, when I basically, when I rewatched the show uh, as an adult, it was like there were certain episodes that I remembered chunks of, but a lot of it, it was just, it was completely brand new to me. So I can't, I can't even remember now when I rewatched it, this episode, this would have been 15 years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was kind of surprised. Yeah, because, I mean, he's, you know, like, the original big bad. So it was like, interesting. And then it's just like, here he is. And then this is it for him. Like, I know, I know because, you know, the production order is what it is. And this was one of the, the last episodes of the show, I suppose, in the long, like, the grand scheme of things. But it was just kind of like, oh, there's Bulba. And I feel like the tone of Darkly Dawns the Duck is very different from the show that, Darkwing eventually became mm-hmm. so I feel like this episode kind of does a does a good job of mixing the two of them but it is a very there is a lot of danger in this episode <laughs> and you can feel that like the stakes are real like everybody is freaked out that Taurus Bulba is back um, so it's, it's interesting but yeah we, we as the viewers don't know that Taurus Bulba is back but the helmet that we're shown has horns with guns on the end of them so <laughs> I we I guess if you're a clever kid, you would have realized at that point that something bad was going to happen. If only it um, was a blender. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Next time. Then we head over to Darkwing, who's monologuing to himself about how he's going to expose Fowl's latest conspiracy. And we see that he has broken not one, but both of his legs. 
and Launchpad is carting him up around in a uh, wheelchair, hitting every rock and dip in the road along the way. And I mean, what really could anyone expect from Launchpad? It's kind of his thing. And uh, he's apparently rolling Darkwing up a mountain, too. (laughs) We get a lot of commentary about accessibility in this episode. Yeah, we do. And it does not slow Darkwing down at all. (laughs) It's true. He, He makes it work. Launchpad is like, oh, sorry. It's like this chair has a mind of its own. And Darkwing is so nasty. He says, good, now you have one to share. And Launchpad, in a very rare moment, actually registers that Darkwing is being mean to him. And he's like, hey. And to his credit, Darkwing apologizes for being a jerk, which is nice. Yeah, that I was actually thinking about that exchange because usually when he makes those quips... He'll make them, he looks at the screen and says them, and we assume that Launchpad either doesn't pick up on it or, I don't know, didn't hear. Just lets it go, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I I actually wondered if maybe somebody higher up was like, hey, Darkwing's kind of mean to Launchpad. Do you think maybe you could tone it down a little and have him apologize? Because it was just interesting that they did, in fact, have Darkwing you say, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just mad. He does it a couple times, too, mm. during the episode. So, and I, at the end, um, it was co-written by Tad. So I'm wondering if that's why. That's interesting. Yeah, to yeah. make Darkwing less of a jerk when he's being a jerk. <laughs> but, yeah, so Darkwing informs world at large that he broke his legs in a skiing accident which we learned shortly thereafter from Launchpad that it was actually just a ski shop sale <laughs> uh, yoo big summer blowout perfect as dark darkwing glares into the camera <laughs> basically <laughs> until he's like rolled up the mountain he just turns and he's glaring at us <laughs> as Launchpad is talking about how he broke his legs at a ski sale a lot of fourth wall breaking in this episode. Mm-hmm. And um, Darkwing sees some Eggman hanging out by a giant rock with a hole in it, deducing that it's the entrance to the foul lab? Ace? Cave? Hideout thing? <laughs> don't really know. It's a thingy. We don't really know what they would call it. Um, spoilers, it doesn't, doesn't stick around very long. Darkwing informs us that he's about to show how, us how a true hero turns every obstacle into an asset and comes up with a very Darkwing plan where he's disguised as a snack wagon that <laughs> concession worker launch pad is pushing. <laughs> so, and on the little cart thing, he's got like peanuts and fruit and a tray of what look like cookies. And Launchpad is like, oh, we got a sale on Snooky Doodles, two for nothing. And I was like, what is a Snooky Doodle? Obviously, they're those cookies. And the Eggmen are all as intrigued about Snooky Doodles as I was. But I guess the Snooky Doodles were the bowl of peanuts, because that's what they pick up and they start fighting over. But also, Darkwing's head was crammed into the bowl of Snooky Doodles. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what I was expecting. Uh, I really thought they were going to be those cookie things, and my entire reality is hanging on by a thread now. And the Eggmen just immediately start fighting over those very special peanuts, and our heroes are just able to walk right in, or wheel right in, as the case may be. 
down in the lab. We get our Frankenstein on as the foul scientist Eggman bringing a well-dressed bulbul back to life. We get the flashy electricity and some red liquid zipping through glass tubes and the helmet being lowered slowly onto Bulba's head. And this is where I actually went back and looked at that faraway shot of him. And that's where you just see that his, his, the top of his head is all red. Cause I was like, wasn't he wearing his helmet? And that other, I was so ready to find a continuity error, but nope, he was just all burned up and gross. Very Phantom of the Opry, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Bulba comes back to life and he's got a big red eye taking stock of his new pincer hand as foul high command explains to him that they've rebuilt him better and stronger than before. Steelbeak is not impressed that high command is super hyped about how great this an idea this is. He's like, Oh, good thing. I'm not the jealous type as he mugs into the camera. And it's a very effective of offsetting just how creepy and scary this could be to a little kid. Like, I feel like it was very effective because Steelbeak really cuts the atmosphere, mm-hmm. which I'm sure stopped a lot of little kids from getting too scared. Although I'm sure there are still some kids that were really scarred by this episode. <laughs> but I, I was taken aback by that. I was like, Steelbeak is really hamming it up. And I'm like, oh, I know why. <laughs> because otherwise this would be terrifying. Especially since Bulba breaks himself out of his restraints immediately. And High Man is like, oh yeah, welcome to foul Agent Taurus Bulba. Darkwing is up above and having a minor heart attack over the fact that Taurus Bulba is alive again. And Launchpad is like, well, he must have one heck of a mechanic. And Tim Curry starts making Tim Curry noises. (laughs) (laughs) And it's magnificent. And um, this is just... uh, This whole setup here, too, with High Command just being like, oh, this is going to be great. I was like, what are you... Why? It's not going to be great. Is despite what High Command thinks, Taurus Bulba is not at all into being a foul agent and being experimented on without his consent. Ah, ah, I see I am expected to show you gratitude. <laughs> After all, you allowed me to be part of your great experiment without annoying me with petty nuisances like getting my permission. Uh, I, I think we might have a slight problemo here. So what if I must drink motor oil cocktails the rest of my life? Oh boy. I will have the honor of being the chief agent of Foul to humbly serve the rightful masters of the world. <laughs> I think not. works for no one but himself and just starts smashing up the lab and being very sarcastic about everything and there's this one poor little dopey Eggman that like other Eggman run away and this one little guy is just standing there like politely listening to Taurus Bulba as he's just like (laughs) screaming in his face and he gets blasted into a crater like I'm pretty sure that man is dead (laughs) I can't really blame Taurus Bulba. This is what is this what we call the hubris of man? Yeah, I suppose. Yes, it's it's literally a Frankenstein situation. Mm-hmm. Oh man! So still, Steelbeak is next on the hip parade as Bulba starts fuming. 
He's like, so what if I have to drink motor oil cocktails the rest of my life? And he zaps Steelbeak and his suit burns off, I guess. All his clothes are gone. But Bulba is not done with this display of displeasure. And he bows to the screen, showing high, like showing the high command people, and then blasts it, and basically just starts destroying everything, uh, declaring what we all, as the viewers, already know that poor Torres Bulba worked for no one but Torres Bulba. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, what? What did you expect, guys? Come on, come on. Torres Bulba, oh. the original girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The real one right there. Bulba just completely smashes the whole place up. So much so that Darkwing's wheelchair starts rolling and Launchpad's too slow to catch it. And somehow Darkwing gets catapulted into the air. Steelbeak is hiding under a rock with an Eggman and de- declares that Bulba is worse than Darkwing Duck. And that gets towards Bulba's attention again. And he's pissed off that Darkwing is alive and rages himself into overheating. And Steelbeak wastes his brief moment of safety by wondering how long Bulba would take to cool cool off. And then, like, by the time that he's finished with his sentence, Bulba is awake again. And Steelbeak is wearing the drumstick boxers, <laughs> which is a great visual gag, but also makes us wonder, not for the first or last time, if bird people cook and eat birds. And if so... What does this mean for Steelbeak? <laughs> what does this mean? Is this like a secret call sign to fellow cannibals? <laughs> we think too. We think far too much into these things. But I think about there. I think it's. Oh, I don't even know if it's a holiday cartoon. It, I, it might, but it's like an old one of Donald, like carving a a Christmas turkey. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like, that's the same size as you are. Wasn't there a goose as well? And they're cooking a goose and they're cutting into the goose and the goose lady says, oh, it looks so delicious. <laughs> I mean, Possibly. That sounds, yeah. It just, it raises so many questions um, and we don't have time to answer any of them. And we will never get real story from Michael Mouse. So we'll just have to keep wondering. So yeah, Bulba says that he will come back to kill them all once he deals with Darkwing. And Darkwing, I guess, when he was flying through the air, wound up on the ground under a rock as he extracts himself from the boulder that fell on him. Here that Bulba is like, I'm going to go kill that Darkwing guy and then I'll be back. But Bulba is too busy laser blasting Kool-Aid manning himself out of this lair lab thingy and doesn't even notice that Darkwing is right there. I think they put in a Terminator reference here. I mean, it is called the Terminator, uh, but he doesn't say back. he doesn't say I'll be back, but he says something like I'll be returning later, and I think that mm. was intentionally meant to be a subtle I could be wrong, but No, you're probably right. And they don't actually call him the Terminator at all. <laughs> no. So, I was just like, when are they going to say it? And they didn't. They didn't say it. It's just a clever name. For an episode. Which I think makes sense because I can't imagine that Taurus Bulba would ever call himself anything other than Taurus Bulba. It also implies that the Terminator exists or a version of it in the Duck universe. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Taurus Bulba like running up behind the rat catcher trying to get Goslin? <laughs> That's the sequel we didn't get. <laughs> 
Geobeak has found himself a barrel and is now wearing it and is commenting to the lone surviving Eggman that he never much cared for this location that they should all amsgrate to Miami. And that's that's the last we see of him this episode. That sounds like a way better location for anything. It sounds very relaxing and warm. Right? Not in the middle of a mountain range in the bottom of a mountain and, you know, where everybody is praised and starved for snooky doodles. <laughs> Back at the Mallard house, Darkwing is using the spinning chairs with his wheelchair and sends himself crashing into a wall. And uh, Launchpad picks him back up. Darkwing is worried that Bulba remembers him and that if he also remembers Goslin, that he might try to use her to get to him. As he thinks this, Goslin is literally in the room walking by and I guess doesn't hear it. There's a lot of that in this episode, too. People saying things right within earshot of other people and nobody actually hearing it. Yep. Um, but she also is dribbling a soccer ball. Um, why? Because why not? I guess. Um, she heads to the door because she's like, oh, I gotta go to soccer practice. And Darkwing flips out on her and grounds her rather than try to explain anything. Although, quite honestly, I can't blame him because she probably wouldn't have stayed home if he did tell her. Mm -hmm. If he remembers Goslin, he'll use her to get to me. Morning, Dad. Rough night at the office. Huh? Goslin, where are you going? It's Saturday. Soccer practice. Well, you can't go outside and sock today. I mean, it's, I'm, I mean, uh, you're grounded. Grounded? What for? Uh, for not picking up your room. I never pick up my room. You're going to have to do better than that. I don't have to. I'm a parent. Hmm. Oh, look, Goslin, it's for your own good. Can we just leave it at that, huh? Fine. I'll just wait for my bread and water upstairs. He does like a little <laughs> at the end, too. Oh, that's good. I, I like that, though, because that is something Drake would do anyways in any situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like it definitely gets used a couple times. Like, I don't have to explain myself. You just have to do what I tell you to do. <laughs> He tries to tell her that it's for her own good, and she's just so mad. She's grumpily like, I'll just be waiting for my bread and water upstairs. <laughs> oh. Immediate salt level at 9,000. Dark Wayne declares that he won't risk Bulba or kill killing Goslin again, and sets to work in Dark Wayne Tower, or I guess rather Dark Launchpad does. I was very confused by this whole thing. I was like, he's doing something to the Thunder Quack. But then we find out that it's not the Thunder Quack. Um, Darkwing is impatient, and Launchpad tells him that haste makes accidents, and Darkwing has already had his fair share of those. And Darkwing glares at the camera and says, I hate it when he makes sense. Which is very rare. It was it was a very <laughs> yeah. insightful moment for Launchpad. It was. It was. Jake Gander Hooter shows up on the TV in the tower, and Darkwing regrets how many stairs there are in this tower how inaccessible it is for a person in a wheelchair and suction grapples himself up to the console and apparently we find out that launchpad is building something for darkwing using shush gear <laughs> darkwing is just like for the last nine hours <laughs> and then it becomes a little funnier because the implication was just that darkwing was like oh come on let's get this done already but it's literally been nine hours Gander suggests using Shush as backup for, uh, you know, his whole thing. And Darkwing is like, nah. And um, he was working on 
you know, like Launchpad was building a little thunderquack looking baby carriage tank <laughs> mobility aid thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strange looking little thing. And Darkwing flips himself into it perfectly. Oh, he also gets yelled at because he Launchpad's like, oh, you're going to scratch the paint. Uh, back at the Mallard house, we see Drake has barbed wired and boarded up the door to Goslin's room. As she complains about how he's never grounded her without a reason before. And Honker, who has either A, climbed up the house into her window, or B, was already in her room when it was being boarded up and barbed wired. And he wonders if Drake found out about the sewer gas incident in the boys' bathroom. <laughs> and Goslin's like, nah, it's too soon. It's like the UFO hoax at the convent. She's like, no way, I wore gloves. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then Hawker says, well, if you don't count those things, you've almost been good. <laughs> oh, Goslin. Goslin lives a very interesting life. She does, and I'm happy for her. Yes, me too. Goslin assumes that this has to be reverse psychology. She's being punished for being good, and he must have some kind of surprise he doesn't want her to see. Pretty clever, even for Dad, she says. And she's not really wrong. Mm-hmm. Just not a good surprise. <laughs> Uh, she and Honker then climb out the window using a tied-up string of bread sheets. Darkwing is now back in his regular wheelchair as Launchpad is hoisting him into the Thunderquack. Uh, Darkwing says that if the Thunderquack had an access ramp, then he wouldn't have to feel like a sack of potatoes. And Launchpad proclaims that he doesn't mind because it builds the old <laughs> biceps. <laughs> and then he closes one of uh, Darkwing's feet in the, the dome. Thing, because of course he does. And we find out that Darkwing is not allowed to use his baby carriage tank because he messed up the paint by not letting it dry. And it is called the Hover Quack, which I assume is a play on the Hover Round, which was a mobility aid that was big in the 90s. Oh, I didn't know that. So the Hover Round commercial was on all the time. And I'm pretty sure there's a little old lady driving up to like the Grand Canyon and being like, hover around! <laughs> so, that's why I assume that is that. And if not, I'm just, I'm gonna send you this commercial because it's pretty, there's like, too. there's like a lady like doing Havana White, like her hand is up and the, she's just making the, the hover around turn in a circle. So it wasn't a wheelchair, it was some sort of other kind of. It was like a very safe Vespa. Oh. Huh. Like a proper chair. I'm gonna just I'm gonna send you a picture. Oh, it does kind of look like oh all terrain scooter. <laughs> if I can find the hover around commercial. It does look like kind of a weird Vespa hybrid thing. So I guess you know there it, there is a possibility that they could have been doing a parody of that. Yeah. I'm just going to drop this commercial here, too. And it looks like it's two old ladies sitting at the top of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Why the Grand Canyon? I guess because it shows you that you could go everywhere you want to go. You're not limited mobility anymore. What if you roll off into the Grand Canyon? That That is literally what happens in this Darkwing Duck episode. <laughs> He's the cautionary tale for, uh, for not... Being well, able to control yourself. Joy Cullison, age 94. She's just out here living her best life. She truly is. So that's what I assume the 
the hover quack is named after. So yeah, he's not allowed to use it. And Launchpad also tells Darkwing that he should have told Goslin the truth. And Darkwing says that he always tells the truth, even if he has to lie to do it. Launchpad was more um, assertive and spoke up a bit more in this episode, I found. Usually he doesn't seem this way. He was pretty lucid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he definitely was like, well, you should have told Goslin. And I mean, again, it's like, he thinks that Goslin is safer if she doesn't know because she'd want to help if she knew, which she absolutely would. But it's also like, I, I guess if he had told her, she wouldn't have been completely freaked out when she saw him. Or she probably would have. I don't really know. This is this is why I'm not a parent. I couldn't make these hard decisions when the, uh, you know, the mob boss comes back from the dead and tr- tries to kill me. Yeah, I think he could have done a more elaborate lie. The problem was that he used punishment. He needed to give her an incentive instead that mm. would make her want to stay in her bedroom for some reason. Mm-hmm. But our new Wiffle Boy game or something like that. Yeah, and make up some kind of story that would encourage her to listen. Launchpad and I just have to go uh, try every vegetable in the grocery store for the next eight hours. Here's all the candy you want. Hi. <laughs> um, so as they're having this discussion about Goslin, we see that Goslin and Honker are both creeping into the tower. And Goslin assumes that the hover quack is for her. She's like, look, it's my own assault vehicle. And Honker says, what makes you think it's for you? She's like, it's almost my birthday. He's like, not for three months. She's like, he shops early. She also mistakes the paint gun as a gas gun and paints Honker purple. <laughs> to Poor be kid. fair, it is pretty small. Like, it's goslin-sized in some ways. It is, which, again, is just, Drake is a very small person, I guess. It's funny. She does, and like, because her and Hunker fit very comfortably in it. Mm-hmm. The kids pile in and put on helmets, which is very nice. Hunker wonders if there's an instruction booklet, and Goslin tells him that instructions are for weenies, and then they jet off the ground, basically. Meanwhile, Launchpad and uh, Darkwing can't find Taurus Bulba and decide to do something flashy to draw his attention. And Launchpad goes buck wild with some fancy flying as Jim Cummings make Jim's coming noises uh, throughout. And it works because Bulba's looking through his binocular eyes like, oh, so he's trying to attract my attention. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. But he's not taking the bait because Bulba is the one who knocks. He does not take the bait. He is the baiter. He stares at Darkwing Tower and has a little flashback uh, slideshow play in his brain of Darkly Dawn's the duck. <laughs> even scenes that he wasn't even there for. Yes. He's got a, a very good memory, I guess. <laughs> and he chuckles to himself as he now remembers that it's Darkwing's lair. Meanwhile, Goslin is shooting fireworks out of the hover quack, driving up and down the support wires of the bridge while Honker is desperately trying to hold on to his lunch. Um, when they're finally on the ground, she hears a hello, Gozalin. Hmm. He straight up uh, menaces these children. So much so the Goslin is frozen. Like, she just completely locks up. And Honker is pretty good at quick thinking in this episode. He mm-hmm. just get them out of there. He like, grabs the controls and does some really fancy driving, to be honest. Like, Oba is straight up trying to kill them and he manages to dodge all the, the blasts from his lasers. 
Goslin snaps out of it and reclaims the controls, telling Conker that even though she's a kid, she doesn't mean doesn't mean she has to be a victim. And starts speeding back towards Taurus Bulba, trying to shoot him with the weird weaponry of the hover quack. And she finally gets a cannonball off that Bulba punches before it hits him and explodes into confetti. <laughs> and Bulba's like, oh, isn't this so much fun? And Hunker's like, confetti? And Goslin, <laughs> Goslin is all cranky. She says, you know, Dad, always ready for a parade. It's true. <laughs> so good. Goslin starts pressing every button trying to find a real weapon and the hoverquack spins around like the Tasmanian devil shooting lasers everywhere. One of them actually hitting and apparently hurting Taurus Bulba, who is no longer having any fun and snatches some kids right out of their baby carriage looking thing. Just as a thunderquack comes flying overhead, uh, Darkwing uses his cape to parachute out of it and takes a, makes a perfect landing in the hoverquack and drives it over to Bulba. But I guess Goslin had used all the weapon juice Seems because so. it doesn't do anything. Um, Bulba throws the kids on the ground and starts blasting a Darkwing. Darkwing makes a hasty retreat, just kind of booking it. I'm guessing he was trying to lure Bulba away from the kids. It definitely just looks like he's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Bulba then blows up a substantial chunk of the bridge and uh, the hoverquack. So RIP to our new toy. Uh, Darkwing is left dangling from the bottom of the bridge as Bulba grabs Honker and Goslin again. Uh, When he blows up the bridge slash Darkwing slash the hoverquack, Goslin's like, Dad! And runs over. I guess. Bulba, I guess, didn't hear that part. He he didn't seem to. He did not. It's a good thing. It'd be a bad thing to let slip. So yeah, Bulba has the kids and Darkwing says oh leave the kids alone i'll do whatever you want and bulba's like oh i haven't decided what i want yet so he's like i'll let you know and walks off cackling to himself and drag dragging the kids away behind him which launch pad is in the air he does nothing to stop this <laughs> it's, it's cold for as lucid as he is this episode it's pretty cold back at his hideout thingy uh, that I guess he had Taurus Bulba has the kids in a cage is reenacting how upset Darkwing was for the kids or for himself probably for himself just relishing how pathetic Darkwing was and he's like well he certainly cares a lot about the two of you and starts grilling them for what they know about Darkwing and Goslin's brilliant retort was Darkwing who? <laughs> Bulba starts legitimately freaking out on her Bending the bars of the cage open so that he can cram his head in there and rage at her at close proximity and starts like sparking as he's screaming at her. It's pretty scary. Uh, Goslin Goslin and Honker are huddled together in a corner hugging each other. He just kind of plucks her up and uh, he's he's calmed down a little bit now and he's like, what is what were you doing with this equipment? Goslin is completely flustered. She has no idea what to say. So the angel hunker Muddlefoot says, we were hired to write his biography. <laughs> and Goslin says, yeah, we work cheap. <laughs> and it was the perfect ploy because Boba buys it correctly assessing that Darkwing is a cheap state, you know, would hire kids to write his memoirs. And uh, he throws in the zinger. And there's always a market for joke books. <laughs> he 
that's a good one. He throws Goslin back in the cage and bends the bars back to normal so they can't escape. Yeah, Hunker, Hunker coming in in clutch. Hunker um, uh, was very proactive this episode. He had to think on his feet a lot. Yeah. Meanwhile, Darkwing and Launchpad are in the Thunder Quack looking for Bulba's hideout, which Darkwing knew about being somewhere around the river, apparently. Darkwing regrets not telling Goslin the truth, thinking that she'd not be kidnapped if he told her. Um, but I have my doubts about that. Mm-hmm. And Darkwing's plan is to make it rain so that Bulba rusts. It's a Darkwing plan textbook. But without knowing where the hideout is, Darkwing says that they'll just have to trust Goslin to think of something. <laughs> and then we get to Goslin and she's just like, Honker, take off your clothes! <laughs> Poor Honker, he just does a complete take. Yeah, and he he just hands her his clothes. Uh, luckily, he has an undershirt on, um, but she wants to use the hopefully still wet paint that she sprayed him with to draw Darkwing's attention. She checks his shirt and his backpack toward the waterfall. It snags on a branch, and the paint starts to stain a line of purple down the waterfall. Darkwing and Launchpad are still flying around, and Darkwing, in typical Darkwing fashion, almost misses it. But they then follow the paint and he gets launched out of the Thunderquack's mouth in his wheelchair and flies through the waterfall, crashing into Bulba mid-monologue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Darkwing is like, guess that takes care of him. <laughs> As a tourist, Bulba would ever give up. Um, and once the bull pulls himself from the wreckage, he starts roaring and shooting lasers at Darkwing, grabbing him and pulling him in menacingly close, to which Darkwing kisses him. Very wow. Bugs Bunny. Very Bugs Bunny. And a, a bold move. Bulba is repulsed and starts spitting on the ground to rid himself of Darkwing germs. Which we, I guess, did know that he is highly contagious after getting antsy. Mm-hmm. Just, ask, just ask Bob. Darkwing wheels himself around Bulba in a circle as he's shooting a laser at him. And the laser cuts a hole in the ground, making Bulba fall down. And we hear him like yell the whole way down. And Darkwing is listening very pleased with himself but then it this whole thing is very looney tunes because then bulba is just inexplicably standing right next to him <laughs> and shoots another laser <laughs> it's like oh no. he he got up here fast Shoots another laser which darkwing dodges and it ends up taking out the bottom of the cage so the kids are now free and they run and take cover and then darkwing shoots itching powder at taurus bulba who becomes very very itchy Darkwing says that he needs to lure Bulba outside and is wondering how he can do that when Bulba punches him <laughs> straight out of the cave through the waterfall. And uh, then he's at the edge of the cliff. He's still doing this in the wheelchair, right? All of this? Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the wheelchair is, is in it basically until the very end. Launchpad is circling above, still trying to get the rain to come on, like to, to start. Darkwing is very nervous. He says, you promised it would rain cats and dogs. Then there's a loud crash behind him as Bulba lands. And he says very dryly, woof, woof. <laughs> Darkwing grappling hooks uh, Taurus Bulba's horns and rams himself in the wheelchair into Taurus Bulba. And just starts taunting him. But doing some pretty sweet evasive maneuvers with his wheelchair. Bulba threatens to blast every feather from Darkwing's scrawny hide, and Darkwing fat shames Taurus Bulba. He does. He's like, scrawny, excuse me, coming from a tubbo like you. 
Oh, Darkwing goes into overtime as Bulba seriously starts losing his mind trying to kill Darkwing, doing a whole bowl and matador routine until Fury finally gets the best of him and he overheats. Goslin runs over to Darkwing and gives him a hug, sitting in the wheelchair with him, and Honker climbs Mount Taurus Bulba. Overheated the old engine. Way to go, Dad! Boy, am I glad you're all right! What's the matter? Don't you trust me? <sighs> Mr. Bulba's still hot. It'll be a couple of hours before his circuits cool off. Perfect. Plenty of time for Jake Ender to send his agents. Great. Now it rains. Uh, sorry, DW, but uh, <laughs> better late than never. <laughs> <laughs> But of course, now it starts raining and it starts cooling Taurus Bulba down. So he just lumbers toward Darkwing and Goslin's still sitting in his lap and they both ditch out of the wheelchair just as Bulba gets to them and stomps his way off the cliff <laughs> and then screams down into oblivion and splashes in the river. And Goslin says, do you think he'll live? And Darkwing says, I don't even think Taurus Bulba could swim with all of that weight. And then he apologizes to Goslin, who uh, then shoots back, oh, so I was right for a change. And this little tender moment is interrupted as Taurus reappears as a fighter jet. (laughs) (laughs) Declaring, this is not finished, Darkwing Duck. I will be back. As he flies off into the night sky. Hasta la vista. (laughs) Uh, and he very much could have just killed all of them right there um, but I guess it's not as dramatic as he wants Darkwing's end to be and Darkwing says something tells me my life just got a whole lot more complicated the end does Taurus Bulba now know his hideout location I, I guess so and he's just he's there and he's out and about Wandering well, he, he probably had to go put himself in a, a vat of rice <laughs> to dry out. <laughs> it, was, it was a very, very strange way to end the episode. There was a lot of like, oh my god, is he dead? He's not dead. Oh my god, he's ba-. It's It's very, um, definitely like the kids were definitely like in danger. Like you could feel that they were scared and they thought that they were in real danger. And Darkwing was very afraid that something bad was going to happen to Goslin, maybe less so Honker. <laughs> and it felt like a cliffhanger to me, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. very rare in a Darkwing Duck episode. It's very episodic. And I don't know. I, I don't know if maybe they had potentially more plans for the future because just the whole classic, I'll get you next time. Yeah. Flying away. Now implies that, you know, he's back and he's a very real threat and he's not done with them. And then we just never hear from him again unless you count the comics when he's a blender. Yeah. He's a blender. <laughs> uh, he was, he had to go back to his planet. But yeah, it was, it for as much as nothing else ever happened with this, it was a pretty solid episode. Mm-hmm. We didn't get a single I am the terror that flaps in the night. I don't even think we got a single let's get dangerous either. 
The tone felt, like you said, it felt a little different. It wasn't Mm -hmm. quite like Darkly Dawns or the rest of the show. It was like a hybrid of the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like Steelbeak was there in the beginning to offset the creepiness. But then after that, it was just kind of like little things. Like, I feel like if they had double down on making Goslin so afraid that they did just wind up running away from Taurus Bubble on the bridge, it would have been too much. So it was like, oh, no, Goslin has to, to try to fight him herself and that was a little silly with all the fireworks and all the goofy gizmo duck type weapons that she had to, to use i wonder if they but. had potentially done a darkwing duck movie like the ducktales movie if this is mm. what they would have picked up as a plot line hmm. probably because i feel like it's <laughs> it seems intentionally because they rarely ever write an episode with a, a legitimate cliffhanger Usually mm-hmm. the villains get defeated and they run away. But Taurus Bulba is different. He's, like you said, he's genuinely dangerous and there's the stakes are higher. So just having him leave like that, it felt very intentional. Like they were planning or leading into something and then it just didn't get to happen. Yeah. And I feel like if they had done a movie with Taurus Bulba, it, it would have checked out because it would have been the one, well, I guess not. The only way it could have been worse if it was like a little put a jambalaya Jake, but it would have been a villain that I'm like, oh man, you could have had him like a Megavolt or like on a Fearsome Five movie, but you did tour, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, you know, the, the DuckTales movie, which is a genuinely very good movie, but it was like, there's a genie, what's what's happening? But yeah, so um, my, my final thoughts is that Oslin definitely calls Darkwing dad a few times around Bulba. He never picks up on it. Uh, Honker was very, very solid in this episode. A little genius boy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Goslin, too, had some really clever ideas. And it was just really interesting to see how scared she was of Taurus Bulba. Which, you know, really makes sense. Because she went through some stuff uh, because of Bulba and around Bulba. Not to say that she hasn't had close calls with the other villains, but as we've just said many times, Taurus Bulba is a different kind of character altogether because he is more like a kingpin, like genuinely scary type dude. The episode was written by Tad Stones and Dev Ross, and I felt like the writing was very good in this episode. Mm -hmm. The animation was very nice as well. Yes. And I, I wonder what they would have cooked up with super like future cyborg Taurus Bulba. They obviously wanted him to come back. Like what other stories would they would have wanted to tell with him and what team ups might he have done? Like Taurus Bulba and Megavolt could probably get into something together. Taurus Bulba seems like the kind of guy who has no patience for supervillains. He's more old fashioned. He's like a classic crime boss type criminal. And I feel like he would treat all the supervillains as basically like costume children running around mm-hmm. being idiots. So the situation I would imagine is he'd be trying to take back power in the city because in his absence, there was probably a bit of a vacuum and all these supervillains came in and they've mucked everything up. So I think he would be in a turf war and it would be sort of the normie criminals in the city versus the supervillains. You could just say that he's fighting Bushroot. You don't have to get all fancy about it. Fighting Bushroot? It's a turf war. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Boo! (laughs) (laughs) Continue. 
he's he's a different level of villain. He's like the real classic, more serious. And so I think he would clash with all the villains and there would just be they'd be destroying the city between them all fighting. And Darkwing, of course, would have to come in and be the mediator to put them all in jail. Which is why he would have been a perfect fit for Fowl. Like he really would like I could see that Fowl would be the only quote unquote appealing option to him as far as the show verse goes of rather than being his own entrepreneur doing his own thing because crime is his business it's like everybody else kind of enjoys crime just for crime like they have their own little weird reasons for doing what they're doing but he he legitimately is like businessman of crime like he has very methodical ways of doing things and it seems like he's far more unhinged now that he's been dead and reanimated as a cyborg but could you just imagine that, like Gizmoduck versus Cyborg Taurus Bulba it would be so good oh my goodness there's your movie Doris Bulba tries to take over McDuck Industries probably do it from to... the do it from the down low because he was he was very good at being low-key like he wasn't all flashy about it he Mm-hmm. He, he kind of pretended like because i mean in in darkly dawns wasn't he in prison pretending oh yeah he was operating from jail yeah, yeah yeah and pretending like he was just being the perfect you know inmate mm-hmm. <laughs> the the warden would walk away and his secretary would like swing out of the wall yeah exactly <laughs> so i could see him i could see him being the kind of villain where you don't even know until it's too late he he just somehow manages to get in there so that would be kind of interesting with i don't know mcduck industries or whatever scrooge calls his business if he managed to slide in under the radar mm-hmm. yeah um but this is the last that we see of him canonically mm-hmm. as he flies away into the night with his jet propelled <laughs> self <laughs> Uh, and uh, presumably they all get off that cliff and go on and have more adventures and Darkwing's legs heal. But yeah, it was an interesting one. It was a very different one. Honker was great. I loved Honker and how capable he was. Yes. And uh, yeah, I would say probably, I'd say four out of five that's on the, the... Quackaware Freshville Square. Yeah, yep, that's exactly what I was going to say pretty much for all the reasons you've cited. The only thing I didn't really like is I didn't like Bulba's design for his mm-hmm. suit. It's very, I don't know, chunky, 90s. I don't know. It's it's not very appealing. Like He looks like a toy. Yeah, exactly. Like they were going to make toys of him. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I think they could have done something. They could have still done him as a cyborg, but they probably could have... I don't know. I wasn't a big fan. And especially when he turns into the jet. He just looks ridiculous. (laughs) He does. Yeah. And it's just kind of... Because he's got like his laser cannon arm thing. And I don't think he transforms himself really to that extent any other time during that episode. Uh, So I guess he just discovers that he could turn into a fighter jet. (laughs) When he's underwater, uh, the fighter jet failsafe flicked on and he was able to escape and put himself in a vat of rice to to dry out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there it is. There's the the Steerminator. He's going to hunt Goslin like John Connor. He really is. He really is. 
And I guess at some point we'll talk about the DuckTales reboot because he does make mm. a reappearance as mm -hmm. a rebooted version of him. And so we can get into that eventually too. Yeah, eventually we'll get to watch Darkly Dawn's a Duck and we'll have lots to say about Taurus Bulba. Mm -hmm. um, but today is not today. So we had said that we were going to watch the, uh, the other episode that was recommended to us was the Tuscarnini one that appears in the opening credits. So we'll be discussing that one next time, which is a duck by any other name. Mm-hmm. So we will get some Tuscarnini up in your ears. <laughs> You're welcome. And then, I don't know, we, we got a few more suggestions that we're kind of rifling through and figuring out uh, how we'd make them work. Um, so if you have any more rolling around in your heads, we'd love to hear them. Drop us a line at any of those places that I don't remember what the, the addresses are for because I live here. And yeah, let us know. Uh, we will eventually cover the comics once they come out on their mystery date. And we will be repopulating the wheel at some point as well. We already have our categories and I think you'll enjoy them. There's a whole one about comic guy. There isn't. <laughs> so until uh, next time, remember that we will be returning and uh, crime doesn't sleep and neither does Taurus Bulba. I'll be back. <laughs>